0: The following message was recorded at Shades Valley Community Church in Homewood, Alabama. For more information and resources from Shades Valley, please visit us at shadesvalley.org. You may not understand or know that we always put in the order of service at this point a prayer for illumination. Uh, And I would like to ask instead of me praying for myself, I'm going to let Bill pray over me if he promises not to cry. I can't (laughs) promise that. (laughs) father we thank you we thank you that we can come before the throne of grace and mercy we thank you father that you have given us your word and lord we just pray right now that you would open our hearts and open our eyes and open our ears to receive the message father I thank you for dad for all the times that you have spoken through him God and father I just pray in Jesus name that you would that his words would be anointed that your spirit would fill him up right now God we are here for you and we love you and we serve you in Jesus name. Amen. Mm, amen. Thank you. I, I hate it when I'm preparing a message, and God makes me apply it to my own life. You OK? Have you ever taught a Sunday school or a Bible study, you know what that feels like. Uh, right now, I'm trying to practice what the message is about. I'm trusting God for this message. <laughs> it's on trust. And uh, it's, it's a little daunting to be here for my last professional sermon. I don't know if they, they were teasing, they're gonna still call me on Saturday morning, but they're just not gonna pay me anything. So, okay, I'll do that. The hard part about that is, is that all the times that I've preached in the congregations and the people that I've been with, I always had a real sense that if I bombed, then everybody would just say, hey, that's okay, we'll dust you off, get them next time. Okay, every every preacher always has that feeling in them. Or if they've got a good group of people they're working with. But unfortunately, there's not a next time. So if I bomb, I'm just laying a bomb. So, (laughs) Lord, please, I would appreciate it if we didn't do that today. Also, this whole month, I've been thinking about what... First of all, what did I want to speak on? And then I got my attitude right and thought that I was asking God, what did he want me to speak on? What is critical and important that if I've got one last chance to speak to some people I love and to my family, what topic would I address? Well, it didn't take long for it to become very clear to me that it was something that's very simple, yet very difficult. It's the value, the blessing, the absolute crucial nature of trusting the Lord. Okay, that doesn't sound very exciting, but it's absolutely critical. It's so easy to say and sometimes so hard to practice and walk out. So I've chosen just one passage, uh, probably you all know it, and uh, they're gonna, I think gonna put it up on the board. Are we Are gonna put up the, the slide? And it is one very familiar, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. How could you ever think about trust in the Lord without going to this passage? And if you'll notice as you look at that, let's, let's read number: Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Now in my devotional work, I like the New Living Translation. Sometimes it helps me to see things from a different perspective. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, do not depend on... On your own understanding, that's the same as trust, but it's there. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. We're always wanting to know, where should I go, Lord? What's the path? Seek it. Trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, and here's where the uh, NIV brings something out, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. There's little differences, but they're all true. They're all part of what it means to trust in the Lord. First of all, let me affirm that this relationship, or that this kind of trust is based on a relationship. It's not karma. <laughs> it's not hope in something. It's not fate. It is a belief and a resting in the relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ, His Son. So that's where this trust is. The second thing I want to mention, it's not only that it's a relationship, and I'll be using that terminology. The absolute trustworthiness of God is our foundation of trust. The absolute trustworthiness of God. There's a lot of words you can use for God. But for the day, let's focus on his trustworthiness, which includes all the other things about him. But can you tell me how silly it is to trust something that isn't trustworthy? Doesn't make sense, does it? So when I'm asking you to do something, if I'm asking you to make a choice, if I'm asking you to move forward, it's not in something that you can't believe in and trust. It is in God himself who is completely trustworthy. And thirdly, and this one may challenge us a little bit, trust is a choice, okay? How many times have we been in a situation where we say, I just can't trust him? It's like our emotions have overcome us. Our feelings have overcome us. Our fears overcome us. But we must choose to trust him and able to be, move forward in any kind of relationship of trust with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We have to make that choice. So one of the great things about trusting God is that, it, believe it or not, I'm at that stage of life where I can actually tell you this is true. It gets easier trusting the lord gets easier the more it happens the more you choose the more you walk now the other side of that is it gets you're easier to trust and depend on the lord but the challenges you face may be off the charts does that make sense you learn by trusting him in some small ways in larger ways and if god you know you've seen the thing if god showed you what was you were going to face 20 years from now you probably say I quit now. But he's preparing us and every step of choice of trust we make now prepares us when another difficulty if it gets as it gets more difficult we're able to trust him. It's easier to trust him. By that I mean you go there a little quicker. You still have a tendency to try to fix it. You still have a tendency to try to control it. But you get to that place of trust, that choice. I don't like what's going on but God, I choose to trust you. The other part of that is that if that's kind of a relationship that we have, and that's the walk of growth that we do, I honestly believe that we can stall out and stunt our ability to trust God. Now, let me explain that to you. This, this one, take this one with a grain of salt. I don't have a passage of scripture to point to on this one, so Okay. But I've seen it over and over again in my own life and in others. God, there's a God challenge in front of you. It might be a bad challenge and it might be a good challenge. But there's a God challenge in front of us and we back away from it. We're afraid to take it or we just, it it just overwhelms us. And we don't take that step of trust. Once we are there in that place, then we're not going to be able to trust God anymore. We can go back to the ways we trusted him before that, the little baby trust, but you're not going to grow into a full, mature adult trust if, you just, if he gives something before us. Now, that doesn't mean, hey, if he's done that and you're going, oh, man, my life is lost now. Man, that's the thing about God. His grace allows us always go back and, and get on the right path. It's never too late. Hey, even for me. So that's kind of the fun part about about this relationship of trust that we have. Uh, Consider for a moment uh, that, that, that this relationship is something that not only we desire, but God desires it with us. It's not something he's not reaching out. I don't want to take away or let us think, oh, this is just a man thing. It begins with God. It ends with God. It's our response to God. Even the choosing to trust him comes from the spirit of God alive in us. It wouldn't We wouldn't be able to do that. Take, for instance, I was just thinking of an example of this. Uh, John and Samantha Hudson. Most of you know them. They've been back. If you didn't know them before they went, you know them now from Hundredfold Studios. I remember back, they were part of our congregation. I remember the the decision and the process that they went through to choose to give up his architectural practice, to give up his professional success, to give up the families, and for Samantha the financial security that all that rests in, and say we're going to leave, we're going to go to a foreign nation called Montana. And when we're going to go, we are now going to have to trust God for things that we had under control. Does that make sense? So they're going out, and they don't know for sure what's going to happen. It could have failed. But instead, what we have is a situation where there is a vibrant ministry training other architects, and there are beautiful places of God in places around the world that would never have been there without 100-fold. So what does that give them? That gives them the opportunity and the right to come back and talk to us. You know, it's funny, when you, when you watch somebody take a step of trust, and you see, oh, man, God's not only worked in their life, but they are glad they made that step, then they can come back and encourage us to take that risk, to take that step that he may be calling us to do. I'm not necessarily saying overseas missions or whatever. It could be as... I don't want to call it small, but you may have a very unlovely neighbor, and God is saying to you, "I want you to reach out and love them." And you're going, "Nah." <laughs> God, you just don't know them. It, but but step out, and and they can say that. And so I look at those kinds of stories, and it, and it just encourages my my choice, my trust, it makes it easier for me to trust God when I watch. You do it. it. And that's where the body comes together. Bill read a passage that I want to read again because this this is the absolute foundation of what I'm asking us to do today, the choice to enter and go deeper in a relationship of trust with the Father. Praise God. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. Does that sound familiar? I will give thanks to God with my whole heart, just like this verse says. In the company of the upright, in the congregation, great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Full of splendor and majesty is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. Okay, let me, as we continue on, this is the God who is giving us the opportunity to trust him. This is who he is, this is where his trustworthiness comes from. He has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works in giving them the inheritance of the nations. The works of his hand are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed by God with faithfulness and uprightness." So I think that he has every right to say to us, trust him with all our hearts, because he is trustworthy. Just a couple of things as we walk through this verse here, where it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, do you notice that that's not a suggestion? Proverbs doesn't do it a lot, but this is a directive, okay? The father is saying to his son, look, if you're going to be wise, if you're going to have anything in life, if you're not going to be foolish, then you must trust in the Lord with all your heart. That that, that affirms to me the fact that this is a choice. It's one we can choose. And 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 it's not just once in our lifetime, is it? You can't just say, okay, Lord, I'm going to trust you and it works for the rest of my life. It's like, "Uh uh-oh, tomorrow's coming i got a whole new set of issues that I have to choose to trust you about. It also affirms that trust begins with our hearts. And you know, if Christ has come into our heart through faith, and that risen, resurrected Christ is in us, then we should have hearts that want to trust the Father. Who trusted the Father more than Jesus? Look at everything he ever did or said. It was done in complete, 100, total abandonment, whole heart, trust in the Father. So when it comes, do we have a heart that even wants to trust the Father? We're not going to get to where Jesus' perfect trust, but we can sure walk. I I call that we can move the needle up. All right? You go from the self-choice to God-choice. And we can move the needle up a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. When it says to trust him with all our hearts, I take that to mean with everything that's of any value to us. So does that mean I have to trust him with my grandchildren? Okay, God, if I have to. But I've got to get there. It was hard enough trusting him for my children, still trusting him for my children. What about your job? What about your marriage? What about the spouse that you're struggling with? Can we trust God to work in every one of those circumstances and relationships that we have? There is a past, present, and future part to this trusting the Lord with all our heart. By that I mean the past begins with the God the creator, and it finds its foundation in this cross. That's where trust, that's our past, that's happened. We have that, it's solid. But it also is in the past, what are the things and how has he worked in our past that has raised and showed us he is trustworthy? Things that we can go back on and when, when today really stinks, then we go back to last week when we saw God's hand at work. How do we keep that perspective? Choosing to trust Him because He is trustworthy, not because we can fix the circumstances. Um, one of the things that's hard in this whole concept of trusting God is when He disappoints us. You ever experienced that? God let me down. Now, I, I understand. I better clarify that or the lightning bolt's going to come out of heaven. And I'm going home to the Lord faster than I really want to. But don't, I, I, is there anybody in here who has never felt that God let you down? Something's gone on, something's happened, whether a loss of job or whatever. And you're disappointed, and, and, and you know that God's in charge of everything. So anything bad happens, it's his fault. And when that happens, it's hard to trust him again. I understand that. But that's also that growth in the strength and the muscle of trust. It's like the harder it is to trust him, the stronger you're going to be in that trust. You will grow in that. And you can't let a disappointment that God has let you down stop you, stall you, stunt you, from being able to grow in that trust. And it has to be a choice. It's got to start with a choice. A choice for the cross. A choice for what he did on the cross. A choice for the way he's changed and worked in our lives. I can face this, I can face tomorrow even though I am disappointed with today. Now in the present, I wanna say something that, you know, we shared the peace of Christ with one another. And there is this incredible peace that passes all understanding that can come upon us. But I want to tell you right up front that trusting in the Lord is the foundation for our peace. How can you find peace if you can't trust God? We're going to be anxious. We're going to be nervous about it because we keep thinking we have to fix it. We haven't fully trusted God. So the more we trust God, the more we experience the peace of Christ. And that's an incredible, we all have experienced it. I would like to wish somehow I could walk every day, all day, in that peace. I could if I were perfect, but that's something that comes from, if I don't trust God, I will have nothing to have peace in. It also enriches our joy and it gives us freedom to move. Trusting in the Lord allows us to take risks we wouldn't take otherwise. It gives you the freedom to be fully who God has created you to be. You are our own masterpieces created in Christ Jesus to do the things that he has prepared in advance for you to do. You can't do that. You can't get there if you don't understand and grasp and choose trust in the Father with all our hearts. Also, like that, you notice it's a... uh, Trusting in the Lord means it affects every relationship that we have. How we can trust God affects how we can relate to other people. Uh, give an example. The, uh, you all know about helicopter parents. Have you heard that terminology? Okay. It flutters around over the top of them as soon as something looks like it's going to go bad. You snatch them up and protect them and save them. Now, I know none of you would be that way. I was never that way with my kids. Now, my grandkids, uh, that's a temptation. But I just found out there's a new term that's come out. Instead of helicopter parents, it's called lawnmower parents. That that all we want to do is go in front of them, keep that lawn mowed, everything out of the way, no obstructions, nothing to fall over, no ditches and everything. We're going to be the lawnmower parent. Well, Everybody who tries that comes to a point where they realize it's fruitless. Only God is in control. But I do want to say we'll come back to that lawnmower because when you stop and think about it, the way this passage reads, it seems to me that God might be the ultimate lawnmower parent. So I'm going to come back to that for a minute. But also, let's not forget the future. In the present... um, if we think of what the future is going to be, it allows us and gives us the strength to trust in the present. Jesus Christ is going to return. Just as sure as he hung on the cross, just as sure as he was raised from the dead, just as sure as he ascended into heaven, he is coming back. And when he comes back, it's all going to be right. Justice is going to finally be prevail. His authority is going to be over everybody and everything. Nobody can question it. And so at that point in time, when we think about that, our final vindication is in him. Our final joy and peace is in him, in his return. Well, if that's going to happen, and I believe that and hold on to that with all our hearts from scripture, then that allows me the freedom to work on trusting the Father today. If you take care of my salvation, he's going to take care of my eternity. I always found it interesting, why can't I let him take care of my present? I give him the big things. Whoa, is that, you know, we're not very logical sometimes as believers, but we won't go into that one. I don't have time to talk about that one. In the came across a passage in Jeremiah that I want to read to you. Because this sense of this present, this future trust, if we're going to look at how this is going to affect our lives, Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8 says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water, that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear the heat when it comes, for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. Trusting God now prepares us for the future. I can promise you, okay, if you haven't had a drought in your life in the last last few months, you got one coming. If you don't have a time when you feel dry, it's coming. But when we put our trust totally in the Lord and we grow in that trust, then it makes it easier for us to see the drought and we can still stay green even when the drought comes. Next part of the passage says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. I thought about that in all our ways. (laughs) Whoa, that covers a lot of territory. Our thoughts, our actions, scarcely even our emotions. Ever thought about having to try to acknowledge God with your emotions? That's that's a tough one. I want to read to you from a a commentary that I really liked how they said this. They're talking about what that word acknowledge really means. language that we can understand, uh, taking the, trying to fill out what the Hebrew really meant. It is quite simply to know, which contains not only the idea of acknowledging him, but the much richer content of being aware of and having fellowship with him. So it's not just a matter of saying, okay, I, I know who you are, God. I acknowledge that you're out there. It's that fellowship Knowing him, that's who I'm looking at. That's how I'm walking this through. It seems to me that trusting in Yahweh implies that we will not trust our own resources. One that's common. I like this. In acknowledging that one will not trust one's own resources, or in acknowledging one's own innate lack of resources, one becomes open to God's power and wisdom which is a better guide to life. So we're in the midst of that, and we've been trying to hold on to it and guide it. Then we all of a sudden, innately, we we don't have it. Then we we actually open ourselves up for God to do his healing work, his powerful work in our lives, and for us to see things as he sees them. And boy, that's a better, as he says, a better guide to life uh, is through God's power and wisdom. So if that's true, I looked at this and I thought, okay, seems to me that the opposite of trusting God is to trust who? Or whom? I, which one is it? Trust who, right? Okay. The opposite of trusting God is to trust who? Go ahead. You can all tell me. I know you're thinking it. It's self, right? Okay. And I began thinking that, you know, there's only, as Proverbs all the way through said, there's two paths. You remember several of our teachers talking about that? There's the path of wisdom and the path of foolishness, the path of God and the path of darkness, the path of life, the path of death. Guess what? There's only two paths when it comes to trust. Because if you're not trusting God, then who do you have to be trusting? Me. We're either trusting ourselves or we're trusting God. And when I think about that and I think about me, I'm going, boy, it is really silly when I trust me. I ought to be smarter than that. Now, God willing, you will get smarter, more, more wise, and recognizing that. It seems like it just takes us... To me, spiritual maturity is almost how quickly can we come to the conclusion that God's in control and we can't do it. I mean, that's almost like spiritual maturity to me. And so that's the, uh, what he's doing that. Um, when we get frustrated and afraid, which is what happens when circumstances seem to overwhelm us. When we finally admit that only God is in control and that he loves us and he sees things the way they need to be seen, it's an incredible sense of relief, peace. You know what it feels like when you know you've been struggling with an issue and God's been talking to you and you don't want to give it up and you don't want to trust him and then finally you say, I give up, God. And then all of a sudden, it's that sense of peace that the Spirit of God comes upon us. And I'm glad he never says, I told you so. But there's part of me that thinks, ah, I took you long enough, Ed. But isn't that the, what we want? Is that closeness with him. I'm going to interject a little bit about my own personal journey here, seeing as how it's my last preaching professionally and my last shot at it. Oh, I will tell you. Just one more time to get a shot at him. Um, Bill, when I asked him to read scripture, he said to me yesterday, oh goody, it's my chance to get back for that hundreds of times you've embarrassed me. I'm going to get you. So thank you for not getting me today. I don't know what he might say next week, but today uh, he was doing it. But just a short, simple part of that, one of the biggest times when, the, when trusting God entered into our lives and marriage in marriage in a kind of an earth-shattering way for us is when I was in the law office in Lakeland, Florida, and I felt like God was calling us to sell our house, leave this perfect home in this perfect neighborhood close to my lake house and my father-in-law, and say, we're going to sell it all, and we're going to move to this foreign place called Chicago where the weather is not nice. And we're going to do that, and I'm going to go to seminary and be a pastor. Now, God bless my wife. Her first response was not totally favorable. Let me just point that out. But over six months, as we talked and prayed and worked through it, and at least I was smart enough at that time to know, you don't go until she's 100% behind you. Because if you do... It isn't going to be pretty. So it was hard at times to say, God, I'm convinced. I know you want me to do this. Why is she taking so long? Now, I didn't say that. Okay? But time came when she decided, again, a choice, that she was going to trust God and me, which I cannot imagine how hard that would be. So we did sold everything. All we had left when we paid off our bills was a U-Haul full of some furniture and enough money for the first semester's tuition. That was it. And we didn't know where the money was going to come from, where we were going to live in a place as expensive as Chicago. I don't have time to tell you miraculous stories about how God just worked and worked and worked in different ways, a place where we lived where finances came from, jobs that came available, all of this that happened. And not only we took a child with us, but we had another child while we're up there getting my seminary degree. So all of that went on, and so we had this, and so we go on and we're pastoring. Pastor our first church in Nebraska, and a second church in Iowa, and a third church in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. And it's kind of like, to be honest with you, I felt like I was kind of on the, the fast track. It's like each church was bigger, and each church grew more, and each church could pay more. <laughs> now, isn't that awful that a pastor would even consider those kinds of things? <laughs> but it was there; it's a part of that reality. And then a friend of mine, who he still remains—he's going to preach next week, by the way—he's our district superintendent. He came up to me at a meeting and he said, "Ed, I know things are going great. I know the church is large. I know everything's wonderful." He said, but I want to ask you if you consider quitting your job, moving to the Gulf Coast region, and becoming the superintendent of a non-existent district in the free church. There's no money. There's four churches, and none of them can afford to give you anything. One of them was this church. And you know the silly thing was? I actually kind of felt like God was saying, do it. It didn't make any sense. Yeah, it's like Pam just go... What is that all about? How am I going to take the, all these kids? we got all these kids now. And we don't have the money for that. And we are going to sell the house? It was just crazy. But I went around and talked to some people. And it was funny, my guys, that, you know, it would be like talking to Jonathan or Brad or men like that. And they'd look at me. They'd shake their head. This was every one of them. It doesn't make any sense, Ed. But it seems like that's what God's calling you to do. Of course, Pam said, thanks a lot, guys. (laughs) That was ten times scarier than leaving Lakeland and going to seminary. But she was able to do it in a quarter of the time, saying, yes, we're going to do it. I don't know how anybody could do that, any wife could do that. We could not have done that if we had not experienced Lakeland. Does that make sense? There is no way if God had not proven himself trustworthy that we could have done something crazy like that. Now, the interesting thing is, is as we've come down here and you could say, oh, that's a wonderful story and not everybody's story works out that way. But I will tell you what I've learned. As God trains us in trusting him, things like those two moves, then when the really hard stuff comes you're better prepared to trust him quicker. So when you find out, out of the blue, shock the doctors and everybody, you've got cancer. When you have the doctor at one point in time say, oh, the cancer's back, you're just hammered. But you can move into the sense of, oh, man, God, I can still trust you. But I couldn't have gotten there if he hadn't already grown me in that. Does that make sense? I hope it is. Because I, I don't want anybody to feel guilty or whatever. I just It's just so wonderful to grow in that, abil- that ability. God-given gift of being able to trust him. What's interesting, it got harder. It was one thing to trust God for, for my cancer. <laughs> the reality is, if I die, I'm good. I know that sounds, but it was true. Bottom line, I had to go through a bunch of bad stuff. But if I die, I'm good. Pam's the one that is left with the grief. Well, God turned the shoe around. She came down with cancer. I'd rather have it the other way. I had to start and learn all over again. How am I going to trust God for what my wife is facing? I could not have gotten there If it hadn't been for the past. And how God had shown himself so completely trustworthy. And it's still today. I'll tell you what. I don't care how old you get. Your kids and your grandkids always have problems. They just do. And trusting God for them is harder. Than almost anything I've ever done. Because I'm a little farther away. I have even less control. Less impact. Less everything. And you have to say father. Father. Be a father to my grandkids in special ways. Be a father to my kids. So that's that sense of growth that the things that get more difficult to trust him. What's interesting, okay, I don't want to talk about this. This sounds kind of sad or whatever. But the ultimate point in time when we have to trust him is when? When is the ultimate point of time that we need to be trusting him? When we die when we face death, when it's there. Man, Lord willing, that's on down in the future quite a ways. But that's the reality and being able to trust him at that, those points or those months or whatever it is, is gonna be based on the way he has trained us in trust and the way we've chosen to walk in that relationship of trust. Last thing that uh, we see there is he will make your path straight or the other one says he will show you which path to take. The easiest path to follow. I mean, that's a reality in our world today. Do we want to know God's will and where he wants us to go? We have to trust him. If we're not in a relationship with trust, we're not going to get any of this other stuff. And that's why I said he's the ultimate lawnmower parent. He's going before. It says, hey, I'll show you the path to take. I'll make your path straight. That sounds really good until you think of the New Testament. And who made whose paths straight in the New Testament? John the Baptist. He said, I came to make straight the paths of the Lord, which was Jesus. That was a hilly path that God took Jesus on. So he will make our paths straight, but he doesn't say anything. We may have some mountains to climb. And that's where that trusting comes place. It is the best place to be, even if you're facing that hill. So that brings us back to the beginning. Um, Again, it's not rocket scientists. But our trust in the Lord for our salvation, for our eternal future, for the challenges that we face each day, all go back to the character of God, the one in whom we trust. Is trustworthy. Everything goes back there. We've circled all the way back to the beginning, and that's the one. With, but see, but that's what's so exciting. He is trustworthy. If we keep choosing to trust him, we will be amazed at the results. There'll be a deeper peace, a growing contentment. We all know we struggle with contentment. There'll be a growing intimacy with the Father son and the spirit and there will be a growing strength for all of the issues that we face every time we come to the table we remember what Christ has done we remember the father that loved us and sent his son to die on the cross for us it is that god that we can trust we need to trust it's Foolish not to trust, but sometimes it's so difficult. We also proclaim. Every time we come to the table or to the back, we proclaim the Lord's return. He is coming back. We announce that just by our taking the bread and the cup. This morning, I'd like to invite you I'd like to invite you to bring those fears, disappointments, anxieties where you're struggling and trusting God. Bring them to the table. Put them at the foot of the cross. There's no better place to put them and there's no other place that you can put them if you're gonna resolve them or, or live through them. But this is an opportunity to say, okay, I'm choosing to trust the Lord in this point. That doesn't mean I'm never gonna struggle the next few days in choosing him. But these are the issues that I know that I need to choose to trust God for. And I'm doing that this morning. One last passage as we prepare. Father, open our hearts and our minds to who you are. Because all of our responses, all of our trust, is all based on who you are. We come before you and thank you for this opportunity to celebrate our salvation, to pronounce your return, and to bring to you our hearts that want to trust you. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Listen to me, descendants of Jacob, all you who remain in Israel. Let's rephrase that. Listen to me, Shades Valley. I have cared for you since you were born. Yes, I even carried you before you were born. I will be your God throughout your lifetime until your hair is white with age. I made you. I will care for you. I will carry you along and save you. And the people said,